All right, everybody say content. Well, hey, thank you. Thank you for your giving, and, and we're excited about the Christmas series, which is entitled Good News, uh, that will be kicking off. But let's pray, and I'm going to jump into the Word and excited about what God is going to do. Father God, we just thank you. And Father God, we come with expect- expectations. Father, you never disappoint. And so, Father, that we just open up our hearts, we open up our minds. Father, Lord, I begin to pray, Lord, that, that Father, you'll just stir up faith inside us, Father. God, that, that you'll stir up that faith that'll just challenge us, that'll inspire us. Father, we'll see things that we've never seen before. We'll do things we've never done before. Father, as you just do those things in our life, Father, as we contend for the supernatural, Father, that we believe the supernatural can begin to happen right today, Father, in people's lives. That, Father, you can begin to grow joints and sinews. Father, you can, you can cleanse blood. Father, you can restore uh, minds. Father, you can begin to do those supernatural things that, Lord, I've seen, and, Lord, those things that I haven't seen. So, Father, we ask that you just begin to touch people in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to John chapter 4. Everybody say content. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 46 through 53. But God has always been in the miracle working business. And he's always been doing for others what he wants to do for you. And when I start thinking about those who contended for their miracles, those who contended for their healing in the Bible, you think about the woman with the issue of blood that wasn't supposed to be in society, that she contended for her healing, she, she pressed through the crowd. You think about the, the lepers, the ten lepers who wasn't supposed to be in society, but they contended and they went towards Jesus and asked him for a healing. You think about blind Bartimaeus who sit on the side of the road and he was screaming out and they told him to be quiet and he just shouted all the louder that son of David have mercy on me that I might be healed. You think about the little girl that was brought back to life, the paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof and his friends brought him because people contend. Everybody say contend. They contended for the supernatural because the natural wasn't working. But one miracle that really touches my heart, one miracle shows us what contending for the supernatural is all about and teaches us the basic truths about this wonderful gift from God called healing. And in John chapter 4, verse 46, it says, As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. So the first miracle that that Jesus had done. There was a government official in the nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. Now, I want you to understand, Capernaum is 25 miles away. And it's not 25 miles like getting in your car and driving to Columbia. It's it's 25 miles of walking on your feet or maybe riding a horse. And so, so understand the significance of what it took for this guy to get there. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Then Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus said, go back home and your son will live. Catch the second part in verse 50. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them, when did the boy begin to get better? And they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. And then the father realized 
that that was the very time that Jesus told him, your son will live, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Everybody say good news. There are eight principles embedded in this account that we're going to look at for the next 20 minutes to help us contend to receive healing in our lives or healing for somebody else's lives. And I think it's significant that you understand that God wants to do for, the, for you what he did for the centurion's son. But I want you to, because this, this, this message causes you to rethink a little bit of how healing happens. Now we're going to pray at the end of the service. We're going to pray for those who need physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, whatever it is, healing in your relationships. We're going to pray for that. But, but I want you to realize that God is equipping you to be able to pray for others. The first thing is affliction. Affliction can bring people to Jesus. Affliction can bring people to Jesus. And it's sad, but it's true. But many people really never think about Jesus until this tragedy strikes. Many people, like that last song, never really get revived in their relationship with Christ until a crisis happens and suddenly they begin to reevaluate their lives and determine what they're going to do. Many professing Christians would not even think of spending an hour in prayer until they have a life or death need. And the centurion, let's be real, he probably wouldn't have walked 25 miles to see Jesus if his son had not been deathly ill. But that's what it took for him to hunger after God. And that's what it may take for somebody that you love to hunger after God. That if you are praying for a loved one to be released from a bad situation, keep in mind that God may be using that bad situation to get their attention. Pray not that they only are delivered from the bad situation, but also that it will bring them to Jesus. Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget all the good things he has done for me. Verse 3. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. He restores me from death. God doesn't cause sickness. Understand that. God does not cause sickness. But he will drive, he will use it to drive people to him. And if affliction comes in your life or somebody else's life, let it push you closer to God. Because it may be the prelude to divine health. It may be the prelude to divine healing. The second principle is there's no distance. This is key. There is no distance in the power of faith. This is especially true for those who are joining us from Randolph County. This is especially true for you who are joining us online. There's no distance from, from what we're doing there. Jesus, think about it. We don't know for sure, but in John chapter 4, John chapter 5, John chapter 6, and on, Jesus probably never met the centurion's son. As far as we know, they never looked at each other in the eyes. And as far as we know, Jesus never physically touched the centurion's son. But the boy was healed. Why? Because the word was sent. The word was sent. 
And so maybe what you need to do at the end of service, if you know somebody that's sick who's not here, you need to come to the altar and have one of the prayer people say, you know what, we need to send the word to the sick person that I'm praying for so that they might be healed. Because God wants to do for your family member, your loved one, exactly what he did for the centurion's son. The problem is we in Christendom seem to have to wait till we get a vision or a sign from above to summon somebody for healing or our faith for healing or other people we want a personal attention. We want, we, want, we want Pastor Vic to lay hands on me. Guess what? These people are perfectly well to lay hands on you. They're perfectly well to do anointing. But it always doesn't happen this way, does it? Sometimes if you have loved ones far away or in the hospital who are suffering, your prayers are just as powerful as if we're holding hands. Our prayers are just as powerful as if we're holding hands. Our prayers are not limited by the physical realm. Healing prayers can circle the globe without losing an ounce of effectiveness. The Bible says Jesus sent his word and the boy was healed. If you're joining us online, Make sure you send your prayers in, and we'll make sure that we respond and we send the word, not just a prayer, but we'll send the word into your, into your body, into your situation, and the result is God can begin to heal. Everybody say content. You've got to work this. The sec- third thing is we must believe, and this is a big here. Let me ask you this. We must believe without physical or visible evidence. How many of y'all have ever seen anybody walk out of a wheelchair? Guess what? I have too. I watched Doug. Doug's gone home to heaven. But Doug wheeled his wheelchair right up to here. And then he walked right up to the platform. And then the next week he was in a walker. And the next week he was in a cane. And then after that he was walking again. But you know what? If you've seen it, that's not faith. Because you've seen it. That's what, see, faith is believing when you haven't seen the visible natural evidence think about this think about it john chapter four think about the dad can you imagine what the dad the centurion must have been thinking on his way home think about what the devil was whispering in his ear you went 25 miles when your son needed you at the most You walked all this way for nothing. Your son's already dead by now. You know what? You could have spent the last couple of hours, instead of walking 25 miles, you could have spent that with your son. But no, you went off after some, 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 some witch hunt to go find something and there. But the Bible says that the dad didn't doubt. The dad just kept on walking. And the dad kept on believing the word of Jesus, yet not seeing. Think about the faith that it took. And and guess what, folks? He had no FaceTime. He had no cell phone. He had no internet to, hey, let me Google and check on, see what the situation is. Everybody say contend. No, he had to contend all the way home believing that something was happening. And if you're waiting and you're believing for your healing, the difficult times come when there is no indication of healing in your body. And Jesus will say, go, it has been done. But you see no proof of it. And you know what? The lump still remains. And the anxiety still clings to your mind. And the fear and the palpitations of your heartbeat is still off. And the worry is still still in your stomach and all those things. And that's natural. Let me explain it this way. How many of y'all have ever been to a court trial? 
It's interesting. Because a court trial where the outcome is hinged on a piece of evidence. Amen? And you can either have enough evidence to send a guilty person to, to jail or you can set an innocent person free. Well, the question is, not in the natural court system, but what is the evidence we present in the court of healing? Faith. The more evidence, the more faith. We pile up the more certain we are of the outcome. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The Bible says once God said, twice I heard. Well, what does that mean? That means I say what God said. Look what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. My faith is the evidence of things not seen. That means that faith is real, but it's invisible to our natural eyes. But I want you to understand, to God, faith, <coughs> faith is fully visible. Faith is fully visible. Faith became the centurion's evidence. Think about it. He had nothing to hold on to. He didn't, he didn't like, oh, man, my son's getting better. I can see it on FaceTime. No, all he had was Jesus' word. He could not see it with his own physical eyes. He could not feel it with his own physical body. But because he believed in the invisible evidence laid out before him, this is what I'm saying here. I want you to get this, because this is a, a maturation moment for us as Christians. Christians should not need a steady diet of the spectacular to believe in God and that he is doing something in our lives. God is trying to get us to be more mature. Look what Jesus said in frustration in John 4:48. He said, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you'll never believe. You'll never believe. Jesus does not want us to rely on signs and wonders for our faith. Because see, once you see a sign or a wonder, once you see somebody walk out of a wheelchair, it's easy to believe for people to walk out of wheelchairs. But that's not faith because you've already seen it. But faith is believing for something you have not seen yet in your life. Jesus wants our faith to be the evidence and so this sickness shall not end in death. Psalm 107 verse 20. Let that be our evidence. Let faith arise up in us. Everybody say content. Because see, if you're believing for your healing, you have two choices. Every one of us have two choices if we're believing in our healing today or believing for somebody's healing today. We can believe in sickness and disease. Or we can believe in healing and the cure. The cure is Jesus and his promises, by your stripes he's healed, that you are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion, he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so you could be healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Everybody say, I am healed. See, that's what it is. It's past tense. You've got to learn. That has to be your evidence. That's what, how you contend for healing in your life. You <coughs> declare the word of God. You keep speaking the word of God. You don't worry about everything else. 
Yes, you're concerned about it, but you don't focus on it. You focus on the evidence, which is the Word of God. The third, fourth thing is faith always involves action. Everybody say action. Let me read this from, from Pastor Brad. A mom stopped me last night at the Jamboree, letting me know that her son told her about an experience he had with prayer. He had hurt his ankle this past Saturday, his first basketball practice. Monday, it was getting worse. Tuesday, it was still not any better. Tuesday, before practice started, I just asked if he would want me to pray for his ankle. He said, yes, so I did. Wednesday, he showed up. It got better and better, so much that he told his mom with big eyes that he was so shocked that prayer worked. Praise God that he was able to experience the Lord's presence on school property during a sporting event that usually takes students away from his presence. If I boast, let me boast of what Christ is doing in me and in others. Everybody say contend. <coughs> you can live in fear or you can live in faith. Faith always involves action. In receiving healing from God, passive faith is dead faith. James 2.26. So, so, so the Bible says, come, have them pray the prayer of faith that you might be healed. So you know what? You may have to do something today to come Come to the altar and get prayer. Come to the altar and get prayer for somebody that's sick, that you know of, that you want to be well. They don't even have to know that you're coming for a prayer, but come for them. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be rushing out. Man, take your time and come for a prayer. James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith is reaching out and laying hands on the sick. Faith is the sick person believing the moment that hands are laid hands on them, that they are beginning to recover. That they are beginning to recover. How do I take action? By doing something you couldn't do before. If you couldn't bend over and touch your toes, bend over and touch your toes. If you couldn't lift your arms, lift your arms. If you couldn't snap your fingers, snap your fingers. If you couldn't blink your eyes, blink your eyes. Whatever it is, do something that you've never done before. By faith. Now, I'm not saying just make it, push it, but you know what? Begin to speak. Begin to declare. This is one way that faith can be seen and by doing. And let me tell you, look at somebody say, this is important. If you believe you're healed, then act like you're healed. If you believe you're healed, then talk like you're healed. If you believe you're healed, then walk like you're healed. Otherwise, you're not going to be healed. Yes, I'm sore in the morning because I'm 60 years old. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be more vibrant and alive. I had somebody prophesy over me the 6th of November. And, and they said, you're never going to be in a nursing home. They said, in fact, you're going to do ministry. You're going to do this. And then you're going to go home and take a nap and never wake up and go on to be with Jesus. And I said, I receive that in Jesus' name. When Jesus told the centurion to go home, the man obeyed. Without saying, Jesus, could you verify that for me? Come on. No, he just acted. Let your body and your mind act in accordance with your faith. And begin doing, not just believing. Everybody say content. Listen, if the doctor gives you medicine, take your medicine. But as you take it, say, there's going to be a day where I no longer take this because my body is totally restored. And you'll understand why that's important here in a minute. The moment you really believe, 
this is key. The moment you really believe is when healing comes. John chapter 4, verse 50. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Verse 52. And he asked them, when the boy had begun to get better, they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that was the very time that Jesus had told them, your son will live. This teaches us that healing is manifested before we see it. But always let the doctors confirm. Let the medical tests confirm. The blood tests confirm. The x-rays confirm what God has already done. Because it's so cool when one test shows something and the next test shows nothing and they're trying to rationalize it as a mistake. I just say, thank you, God, for answered prayer. Listen, very important. The moment you believe God is the moment your miracle is dispatched from heaven, even if it takes time for you to come to see it to pass. Number six, healing doesn't happen the same way all the time. Jesus healed in a variety of ways, sometimes from a distance, 25 miles in this case. Sometimes he laid hands on them. Sometimes he spoke to them. Sometimes he healed them before they even knew they needed a healing. Other times he rose them up from the grave. I've seen he, people healed during worship. That's why I always surrender, surrender, I lift up my hands in worship. I don't really care what anybody thinks because I'm going to lift up my hands because I'm, I'm surrendering that sickness, I'm surrendering that disease, and I'm opening myself up to healing and health and the blessings that God wants to pour on my life. Sometimes you can be anointed with oil and you'll be healed. Sometimes people have people pray for them and they're healed. Sometimes people didn't have people pray for them and they're healed. Sometimes, and I know people that are healed when they're in their car, at work, or at home, whatever that is. I remember in my own personal life when I was wanting to get healed from addiction to nicotine and I was listening, I was driving from, from Waterloo to Jessup, Iowa. I was leaving work. It was about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Dr. Charles Stanley, a good Baptist preacher, was on. And he said, you need to rebuke the spirit of nicotine. And I had never heard that before. So I was like, okay, that sounds good to me. I rebuked that spirit of nicotine. Immediately I felt a washing, a cleansing that suddenly all the urge and all the sickness and, and all that addiction was out of me. I took that can of Copenhagen. I threw it out my window. I repented later for littering. But anyway. And what was amazing, I never had to chew gum. I never had to eat candy. I never had to do all that stuff. So I had that urge. I drank my coffee. I didn't even feel like taking a dip of snuff. And about 20 years later, God did the impossible. And Dr. Johnson verified it, the dentist. He said, I've never seen anybody's gums grow back because once gums are deteriorated, they don't grow back. He said, Vic, your gums have grown totally back. Everybody say content. John chapter 9, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud and rubbed it in a man's eyes so he could see. Sometimes he gave a command to drive sickness out. Sometimes he said, go to church, and their healing would happen there. 
this is what you got to understand as I get ready to wind this down. There are principles to how healing works, but there's no single formula. Get that. God can use any method he chooses. He can use organic and take in vitamins and, and essential oils. He can use medical science and medicine and surgery and those things. He can do it supernaturally. He can do a combination of all three working together. So don't get locked into your, your method or your formula when Jesus uses principles. Be open to the creative ways that Jesus wants to heal you and heal others, whether one system or multiple systems working together. And the next thing, faith is contagious. Everybody shout, good news. John 4.53, so he and his whole household believed. The faith of the centurion led to salvation of his whole family. This happens all the time, especially when the faith of a father, the faith of a father frequently leads to the conversion of the whole family. That's why the enemy attacks fathers. That's why we need the men to rise up and be fathers. In the book of Acts, think about the jailer of Philippi. He was a father. And a miracle happened in his life. And what? His whole household received Christ after the miracle. When you're healed, your faith will spill over into your unsaved loved ones. This holiday season, you'll have the opportunity to share at family gatherings, at the office parties, what God did for you. Everybody shout good news. The good news. Because when you've experienced it, it'll be irrefutable. And your situation will be a sign and a wonder. For people, causing them to think. Causing them to think on the things of God. And come to salvation. See, God heals you for a purpose. For you to share the good news. So many times when you read the Bible. When Jesus healed someone. They immediately latched on to their purpose. When Jesus came to. Peter's mother-in-law's house and she was sick with fever and Jesus laid hands on her laid hands on her hand immediately the fever left and what did it say immediately she got up she joined the dream team in essence and began to wait on them she became a servant she began to wait on the king of kings and the lord of lords out of the wholeness that the Holy Spirit gave her in Luke chapter 8, Jesus healed the demonized man in the tombs of the Gadarenes. He said, Jesus, let me follow you. And Jesus said, no, don't follow me, but go to the village and share the good news of what I've done for you to the village. He enlisted him as a preacher. He shared the good news. He shared the good news. So today, your motives may be you want to walk again. You want to bend over. You want to pick up your grandkids. You want to go outside. You don't want to hurt. You want to go back to work without a full-time pain. You want to be able to lay your head down on a pillow and just go to sleep and rest. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But Jesus wants these things for you too, but there's a, a larger purpose. It's to turn you into the servant of the good news. Think about the centurion. I don't think he kept it quiet of what Jesus did for his son. I think he told everybody he knew about Jesus. And if you haven't started growth tracks, then I'm going to encourage you to start growth tracks to step into your destiny. I'm going to encourage you to quit being afraid and start sharing the good news. Because people are, are so open. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Psalm 103 says, God brings salvation, which is spiritual healing. And God brings physical healing and emotional healing. I want you to think about with your head bowed and your eyes closed, what, what does God have for you to do? What purpose is on the other side of your healing and your health? Because God intends your healing and your health to be for his glory more than you can fully imagine or think. And all we got to do is just be open and be available to the new ways of service for him after he restores our health. But the first thing that we're most concerned about is your spiritual health. Your spiritual health. Where are you in regards to your relationship with Jesus? If you died right now, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would be in heaven? Or do you question that? Do you question that? Because if you question that, you can resolve that question right now by saying, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to please forgive me where I've sinned. Snatch me from the jaws of eternal death, which is separation from God for eternity. And Lord, I just submit my life to you. Holy Spirit, show me my next steps. And if you prayed that prayer, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. And I'm going to ask you to fill out that connect card that Mary talked about. Let us know your decision. Today I made a decision to recommit my life to Christ. Today a decision to commit my life to Christ for the first time. Let us know your prayer requests. Let us know your praise reports. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. Mary Newsifter, she'd be the first one we need to pray for. She asked me yesterday if during the prayer time she could be healed. So just come right down here. Let's pray for Mary. And I'm going to pray. As they're praying for Mary, she has surgery on, on Tuesday. She asked, that's what the Bible says, call upon the elders of the church, have them pray the prayer of faith that you might be healed. So I'm going to pray for all of you, and 
I encourage you, if you're sick or you know someone who's sick that needs prayer for healing, don't miss this time. We're going to spend this time. We're going to protect this atmosphere. If you're online, send your prayer request in. We'll make sure we send prayers to you. Let me pray for you. Father God, right now, I believe this is a, a divine reversal moment. A divine reversal is, Father, you've put faith into our lives. And Lord, we can't just put off. We can't just tolerate those things because, Lord, you want us busy sharing the good news. You want us out there, not hindered or hampered because we live in fear of sickness and disease, or we're hindered and hampered by sickness and disease. But, Father, that we're to be the light. And we can't be the light if we're like a a basket that covers the light. And, Father, that you called us to be the light on the mountain. Father, when people's hearts are open during this Christmas season, this Thanksgiving season, Father, that, Lord, that I believe you're going to do something in people's lives in the next four or five days, that when Thanksgiving comes around, they're going to be able to share the good news of what Christ did in their life. Father, they're going to get reports of prayers that we sent out from this altar today of people rising up in their beds. Father, people all of a sudden moving where they haven't moved, people feeling better, surgency, strength going into their thing, blind eyes open, Father, deaf ears there, people walking out of wheelchairs. Father, not the things that we've seen, but the things that we haven't seen. So, Father, we send your word right now. We ask that you stir up the gift of faith in us, the working of miracles, Father. Lord, all right now, anoint the prayer team. Let them be able to lay hands and see the sick recover. Father, we confess our faults to one another that we might be healed. Father, we speak to emotions that they be restored. They give a sound mind, Father. We speak to bodies. Let there be surged with the supernatural strength of God. In Jesus' name.